of day 226 of season two, Shape of the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe, Katie Kresge, and Matt Kresge. Uh, we continue through that, you know, our journey through the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is part of uh, what God has used, or people that God is using to rebuild. The Jerusalem has been completely destroyed. The people uh, have been scattered. The northern kingdoms have been conquered. The uh, southern two kingdoms, Benjamin and Judah, have been taken into exile. And under you know, Cyrus, king of Persia, they're allowed to come back and to rebuild both the wall and the city and to offer offerings you know, to their God. Uh, these are positive steps. These are part of the hope you know, that the prophets have you know, held out about the restoration of the people. But the people at this point are pretty, pretty beleaguered. You know, after Ezra, under the leadership of Ezra, the temple's complete. Those who had remembered the former glory weeped mm -hmm. because it was uh, so far from, you know, the glory of the past. And, of course, these walls are being rebuilt. And there's still a lot of fear, a lot of intimidation, a lot of enemies surrounding. We come to a really nice part of this where we finally bring Ezra and Nehemiah together. Uh, and uh, you have a, you know, an, an incredible revival uh, as they read the law of the Lord and return to the basics uh, of what it means, you know, to follow God. So as we read, uh, as always, we pause and, and we realize that this is a, an act of worship and devotion to our Lord. And it's not just something we, something we give to Him to honor Him, but every time we meet Him, uh, He honors us with His presence and with His grace and by continuing His work in us. So as we read, we always recognize the, uh, the beauty of the moment you know, as we're called into his word to hear his voice and be transformed mm -hmm. by his spirit. So Katie, you mind lifting us up in prayer? Father, thank you for your word, the gift that it is to us, um, that when we are experiencing moments of rejoicing, God, that your word um, just even reminds us um, of the, sor the source of all good things um, and that you that you are rejoicing with us, um, that you delight over us with singing. Um, and then we, when we are facing opposition or when we're facing trials of many kinds, God, that we can find comfort and rest in those moments um, when we open up your word and um, are met with the the truth of, of the gospel, and the truth of um, your love for us and your deep care for us. Um, and how you've displayed that to us in, in your son, Jesus. Um, so I pray that wherever we find ourselves today, um, God, that we would find comfort, that we would find um, companionship and um, just deep love from you um, and encouragement from your word. Um, you are faithful to us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And we're going to pick up the last sentence of chapter 7 before we uh, read through chapter 8. And when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and the women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shemai, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Maaseiah, 
and on his left were Pedaiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbatanana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them, and as he opened it, the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Joshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Achbub, Shebathiah, Hodiah, Maesiah, Kelida, Ezariah, Jazabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law where the people were standing there. And they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites come to all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the, uh, the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make temporary shelters, as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one, of, and, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this, and their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Uh, one of the most tragic lines in there is from the day of the uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, which is when they entered into the promised land to this very day. They had not celebrated so thoroughly this festival of the Lord, the festival of tabernacles, uh, which was just to remind them of uh, their existence you know, in the wilderness before coming into the land. It also had, you know, in Jesus' day, kind of an you know, eschatological, saying that word three times out loud very fast <laughs> on a podcast is very difficult, uh, but it had you know, significance of the coming of the king and the return of the king as, as well. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just deeply struck by this is probably the first group since the people in the wilderness who have felt that sense of wandering the most, right? And so to um, to deeply feel the result of the people's, their own sin, and to mourn over it, um, but then to be encouraged that, no, this is actually a time to rejoice. This is a time to celebrate because today is a holy day for our God. Then um, it, I don't know, I think it just allowed them this opportunity as a wandering people, as a people who had not felt at home 
in a really, really long time to finally get to celebrate that they that they are in the presence of the Lord and that they are home um, where their God had had led them. Um, wow, what a celebration that would have been. And I love that. I love how um, much they are valuing the word of the Lord in, in these moments. And that, that Ezra read it from for like four hours that first day. I mean, that's pretty impressive, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> or that, probably yeah. even longer than and that. And they listened attentively. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it, it, of course, the most moving you know, part of this, and, and you have to ask yourself the question, if, the, this, if ever we've had such a deep awareness of the distance between us and our God, how mm-hmm. far we've fallen short of the glory for which we were created and which we've redeemed, that we actually weep. Mm-hmm. You, know, that, uh, you know, that our... Our sin becomes so heavy to us, and, and our disobedience and our unfaithfulness becomes so heavy to us that we we actually weep. And of course, uh, we're, we're promised, you know, through Jesus and the Beatitudes, how blessed are those who mourn, mm-hmm. for they will be comforted. And this is this is what He has in mind, you know, not simply that we look around at the world around us and are bummed out because things are, you know, not you know the way that they should be, but we look inside ourselves and we're deeply grieved more than anything else because things in us are not the way right. you know that we should be. And so you do have this beautiful picture of you know that biblical promise of mourning leading to you know to great comfort. Which in a few days, of course, when this comes out, it'll be after, it'll be following Good Friday, but in a few days we'll be celebrating Good Friday and meditating on the cross. And that's, to me, that's exactly what we do on Good Friday is we mourn our sin that put him on the cross. And we mourn that that had to happen. And then, of course, that's followed by such great celebration. Right. No place is the horror of our sin more vividly on display than on the cross of the Lord Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. And Mm -hmm. And of course, no place uh, the love of God more vividly on display than in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, this is a a beautiful picture of it. And and it's tragic, you know, they they, they had lost touch, uh, you know, with their their culture and their history. They, uh, the whole, you know, Festival of Tabernacles, you know, which again, they say hadn't been celebrated in a huge way, uh, even from the time of the entry into the land. Uh, they, they slowly lost touch, and it was uh, they had no idea, you know, that that was even a part of their heritage or part of their part of their celebration. Mm-hmm. And of course, it, it reminds us. And you know, Katie, you know, a while ago, you were talking about how this is uh, magnifies a deep respect for you know God's word. It reminds us the further we get away from the word, the further we get away from you know who God is, what He has required of us, and the and the beautiful portraits mm-hmm. in Scripture, you know, that He gives us. Of himself and of his provision. I love too the response that the word creates in them. You know, as they hear the word, they receive it, they listen to it, they respond to yeah. it, they walk in obedience to all that it demands. You know, I mean, they see uh, there's this feast we're supposed to be doing. All right, let's go build these you know, structures. But, but even just the command from Nehemiah: go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. And, you know, go go celebrate together. And I just love the communal nature too of that celebration. At times, I think we can treat the Word of God as something that's just we should read it, you know, in our study, and and it's personal. And, and there's an aspect in which absolutely we should spend personal time with the Lord. But there's also that communal time as they receive the Lord. No, respond the, to the it rejoicing together. Yeah, we've we've made it. You know, uh, there there's certainly uh, certainly a 
a deep individual component, you know, to following Christ. But we, in our culture, we way over, you know, play that because there's also a, a, a deep sense of body wide coming together, completing each other, encouraging each other and celebrating each other. And we, we talked earlier about how we, you know, we very seldom, you know, do we see our sin and, and we also very seldom do we see God's grace and mm-hmm. are overcome with joy. Mm-hmm. Throw a party, yeah, and 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 of course that's the way Isaiah, you know, paints, you know, the the, the final days on the mountain of the Lord with the choices of food and the mm-hmm. riches of wine and abundance, you know, forever, evermore, and and so I, you know, these these fabrics ought to be a part of our worship, uh, the mourning of our sin, but also just a joyous response, you know, to God's grace, and and somehow we just kind of flatlined. You know, we, we we don't have great sorrow over our sin, nor do we have great joy mm-hmm. in the Lord. And and what a wonderful you know statement! The joy of the Lord is actually your strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about opposition that they've been going through. The one thing that sustains us in our opposition is is looking ahead to our hope mm-hmm. uh, and and knowing uh, that 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 is our strength. And I like as well in verse fourteen and fifteen. You know, they found written in the law. Of Written in the law that you know they need to build these temporary structures, but then in verse fifteen, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout the towns and in Jerusalem. You know, and it's kind of like self-contained here, there you but go. Yep. one day the word is going to be going from Jerusalem to Samaria to Judea, Judea to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we see that call to yeah, celebrate it, be mournful when it causes mournful, be joyful, but also take it with you and and, and share it no. as they were called to do from the and, beginning. And that's also you know rhythm and worship. You know, to to to. Uh, be grieved by our sin, to rejoice in God's grace, and to sped, spread the message of God's grace. So we often talk about the church gathered and the church scattered, gathered. Uh, you know, to uh, you know, confess our sin and rejoice in receiving the grace of God. But we're, we're scattered, not just simply to go about our business, but to uh, to take the grace of God that has uh, overwhelmed us in joy. And of course, if it has overwhelmed us in joy, our our our, our testimony is going to be a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot more credible, mm-hmm. and, and take it to the world around us. And then, David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Let's pray, Father. Um, how wonderful is your word? And and even as we call this podcast, we we do want to be a people deeply shaped by your word who who do listen to it attentively and, and do worship in in light of it and repent of sin and, and are delighted and even strengthened by the joy that your word provides and. And so may we celebrate with great joy together um, in light of your word, and may we be a people that take your word with us as as we go, um, where we find ourselves um, throughout our city, in our neighborhoods. Um, may we live in light of and speak in light of uh, the grace of Jesus Christ, and may it all be to your glory. And pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.